Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. This is the Fantasy Baseball Show to provide you with that playoff-like atmosphere in your ears. It's D-Mendy here, hoping everyone out there listening is enjoying some awesome playoff baseball. I'm joined by a potentially nervous Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, uh, you know, if the Cubs lose one more game, they might be eliminated. Would this go down as the most disappointing playoff series you've personally ever seen? No, no. Uh, I, I cried in 1989 when they lost in the playoffs because I was eight at the time. They didn't make it back again until 1998 where they got swept, I think, in the in the first divisional series round. 2003, we were up 3-1 in the playoffs and lost to the Marlins who beat us three straight games. This wouldn't, this would be equivalent to that 98 team, I think, but you know, we, I, I'm glad that the Cubs showed up this season, made the playoffs. I think the Cubs take it one game at a time. I think they still have the, they're still the favorites. You know, you's going to come out. He's going to pitch well next game, shut them down. Uh, the bats are going to hit three, four home runs, and it'll be like a six to two game or something like that. And then it comes down to to to, to Saturday. I mean, it's always it's almost every game is must win when you're in the playoffs. You know, you got to take it one game at a time. I think the Cubs are going to come back and win this series. I, I am really confident of that. Actually, love the confidence from Cheesecake. That's awesome. But also part of the show here, and. Uh, this is a guy who doesn't seem to hit on his baseball bets, and that's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. Uh, how much are you down now this season? Uh, you know, I'm actually uh, up a little bit. Um, did did well on uh, some recent bets, you know. Should have pulled the trigger on the Astros beating uh, the Twins, of course. I told you to do that. Yeah. The only thing I got from Art that he took away was in 1989 he was eight, so you just gave the listeners your age if they were curious. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Wait, I think they might have not paid attention, and now you just put it out there for them. So good job for you, Doc. Anyway, so on deck today, we have Baseball Superlatives High School Yearbook Edition. So do you remember in high school that yearbook, the most likely to, likely to succeed, the future boss, sportiest student? you know, all Nerdiest that- kid, David Mendelson. Where's the mute button? All the goodness <laughs> that you might have forgotten about. Well, we're here today to bring you back to those days, and we're going to be doing that with the 2020 MLB season award style using these famous high school superlatives. So when talking about school, you know we had to get our friendly neighborhood principal on this episode, and that's our guy, Mike Carter, who's coming on with do, uh, to do this with us tonight. After that, we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which current MLB player could you see being a high school teacher? And our mystery game coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. News and notes. Marlins and Cubs game suspended. Makeup game is now Friday. And if there's a game free, it will be on Saturday, as Cheesecake already mentioned. The only weekend game scheduled for baseball. What that was, I thought was a bad mistake on their part, honestly. Um, oh, dude, it's, it's Manfred. Are you surprised? And they, they play the games when everybody's working during the day, but... Um, this whole schedule is interesting, but and when people have them on in the background, <laughs> you just gave away that you're not a hard worker. Uh, it's called multitasking. It's what millennials do. Whatever. The Twins, Indians, Blue Jays, 
and White Sox have already been eliminated from playoff contention as of this recording. So, Cheesecake, who is the biggest disappointment from the eliminated group? Um, Who's the biggest disappointment out of this eliminated group? And do you think the lack of playing other divisions was evident in these playoff series? I don't know about the second. I don't know about the second question. I, I think I'd have to sit down and sort of peel back on the series and the numbers to really come up with any sort of answer to that. I think the most disappointing, you know, <clears throat> the uh, it's either the Twins or the White Sox. Pro- probably the 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 Twins because you know they're in their second year of their window and. Uh, you know, they made some really good, smart acquisitions in the offseason. You know, Kenta Maeda was a great pickup. I felt like even though, you know, I didn't, you know, part of me thought to bet against them. I thought that they had just as good a shot as anybody in the AL and they went out pretty quickly. So I, I would say the Twins. I don't disagree with you at all. And it's very painful to say. Um, Doc, who is yours? I'm going to go with the Twins, and for the reasons that Art said, but also I think everybody was rooting for them to beat the Astros, and I think this is giving them more fuel to say we can win without cheating. I think everybody would have taken a victory lap had the Astros lost in the first round, and I think it would have confirmed more that cheating during 2017 helped them win the World Series. So I'm looking at it from that perspective. I think the lack of divisions didn't really hurt because – Someone like Shane Bieber was dominant the entire year, and he just had a bad outing. And in these best of three, it's really who's going to play the best two out of three games. And he just didn't have his stuff that day. Agreed. I mean, it, 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 Twins are just – it's just a year after year. I don't, I don't actually get excited to watch them in the regular season anymore because they always blow it. And I was I literally said when they were doing the playoffs, I was like, don't play the Astros and don't play the Yankees. The Yankees obviously kill us every year. But I was like, the Astros are that team also that's like they're better than their record shows. They're gonna come up and they have the postseason experience, they're gonna play. And the twins just choke every year. And I'm just sick of it. And I won't actually get excited for a twin season until they get past the first round. And then I'll actually like buy back in and by excitement. But I'm I'm numb at this point. I'm completely numb. Soapbox rant over. Besides my soapbox rant, do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show that you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about giving us a gold star and giving us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, really stupid, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. You want to be like the good Trevor Bauer, you know, one that doesn't tinker with their pitch mix? Well, how about you don't tinker with your podcast and you keep listening to us? We promise to not lead you the wrong way and we give you good results. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Mr. Doctor, Mike Carter. Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. 
It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We welcome in a man that won't send you to the principal's office if you're bad because he is the principal. A baseball blogger, a dad, and writer of closing remarks. A diehard Chicago White Sox fan and a trivia enthusiast. The man with the lumberjack look of the plaid button down and the grizzly beard. And now, a real person on the show looking to deal you that fantasy medication. And who's giving you that prescription? That would be Mr. Doctor Mike Carter. How's it going, man? Oh my God, that's a shocking introduction. I mean, you make me sound like I actually know what I'm doing with my life and that I have a direction. I don't. So uh, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I, uh, uh, it's been a crazy year and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys here tonight. I'm doing really well, other than the power being out and having to be in literally in the principal's office right now, uh, where, where, where you guys are recording with me. Um, that's where I'm at. So I feel that's just right, though. Like, I, I love that we're talking to you while you're in the principal's office. Like, it feels all feels all cool. It's all coming together. And like, um, I, I want to first extend my condolences to you for your your White Sox. I was prepared to congratulate you when uh, I saw earlier in the game, and I was like, oh no. And then, uh, but you know, I, I know um, we have another Chicagoian fan on here that uh, is hoping his Cubs don't suffer the same fate. So I'm, I'm hope I know um, cheesecake over there is starting to sweat, but I also <laughs> did mention that you are called the doctor, and yeah. we have a, we have a doc on this show, but you are the better doctor. So can you oh say, uh, hey David, how's it feel to have uh, his team won a game in the playoffs this year? Your team hasn't won uh, a playoff game in like 15, 16 years, right? Uh, it's eighteen oh, games, yeah. Oh. But, but, uh, <laughs> But Mike, I want right off the bat. Tell can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the uh, the fantasy baseball world? Yeah, I mean, it was it's really I, it's kind of an interesting story, you know. So I'm a little bit of an older guy. I've been in my career for 26 years as a school teacher. I've worked in special education and have done that since I left college. And so I've always played fantasy baseball. I usually played just in family leagues and in friend leagues and. And, and usually did pretty well. And then a, couple, a few years ago, a buddy of mine and I got into an FBC. And I, I, that's when I really kind of got into the the, the the bug of, you know, I really got to get better at this stuff. I got to really, you know, pay attention to stats and learn about stats because I'm an old guy. So I don't know a lot about like war and all these different stats that I need to you know, Wobicon and stuff like that now that I know about those things. So what ended up happening was um, I've been writing for several years for a website called Nine Any Know It All, where they just give me a topic and I would just write a thousand words on it, and and then it was done for the month. Um, and I reached out to Michael Simeone from SP Streamer in March. He was looking for writers, and I thought, well, I, you know, I have a, a background in writing. I, I was a, I'm a trained journalist by 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 trade, and uh, I reached out and I sent him a couple of samples, and he interviewed me over the phone, and it was really funny because. I'm, you know, I'm in my late forties and my wife was like, you're nervous. Like you're like sweating. I go, I know I got to do well in this interview. Like, I really want this job. She's like, well, does it pay? And I'm like, well, like $5 a month. 
<laughs> and uh, and uh, and so she was like, "You're kind of being stupid, you know." And so um, I in March, Mike gave me an opportunity, and I, I wrote a, I wrote a few things and got to do a couple of, of little podcasts and things like that. And over the course of time, I've the last six months, I've had a blast. Um, I started working for Roto Fanatic um, in the late spring, right in the middle of the COVID crisis when I had some time and I got the assignment to do the closing remarks. And, um, it took me a while to kind of hit my stride with that and what people were looking for. And then we got some pretty good feedback from people saying, Hey, that that was helpful. And, and that's really what you just want to be in the, in the quote unquote industry, right. Is helpful. Um, and so it was really shocking to me that I was helpful, first of all, and it was shocking to everybody around me that I was helpful as well. Um, (laughs) Because that's probably the thinnest book in the world is times that I've been helpful, right? So um, <laughs> uh, make a long story short, I've been working Roto Fanatic for about six months. Uh, we, we got some big things coming up next year. Um, you're going to be some really cool things. I am th- so thrilled to be part of this uh, industry and, and working with great people. I couldn't believe how welcoming everybody was. I thought it would be like, you know, you got you got to scratch and claw your way up. I didn't have to scratch or claw anybody. <laughs> Everybody's welcoming me with open arms. I'm, and I'm thrilled to be here with you guys tonight. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. And, you know, I, we talked a little bit before we started recording and uh, you do great work and, you know, everything you put out is, is very good information. And, um, you know, you're, you're deserving of, uh, everybody recognizing all the stuff you do because you're putting in the work and, um, you know, speaking as we started, you know, right around March, right when quarantine started. So, um, I understand that grind and I, I know how much it takes to really, uh, to want you to make yourself stand out. I know the grind. And so I, I can see you're doing that. So definitely commend you for all that you're doing. Quick um, shout out to SP. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Michael, hope you're taking a shot of bourbon. <laughs> hey, he, he, he's got to use my rating scale. I gave him that rubric to use, you know. Did you really? Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, that was a joke. I, I totally came up with that like in a half an hour because I saw I do is grade rubrics all day, right? So like <laughs> I I, uh, yeah. I gave him a rubric and I was like, you got to use it. And so when they were doing the beer and bourbon podcast with uh, Mike Curlin, they would start off everyone by ranking it, what he was drinking. And it was really funny because usually about Curlin would get a beer or two in and he'd be slap happy. And Mike was just sitting there sipping real calm and carefully, you know, so it's a good time. Yeah, they're they're I love those two, man. They uh they they've been on in, I think the last month and we really got to know them. So I they they're a fun group of characters then. Absolutely. But, um, but we've got an interesting character like show here and we're going to be getting into the baseball superlatives high school yearbook edition. So do you remember your high school yearbook? Maybe it was black and white if uh you know, <laughs> back in the day. I'm sorry if that made people feel old. Um but maybe you uh maybe you know you forgot to uh you know you maybe you took those pictures with those fake tuxes on you know those dress molds i think is that what they did right like they had like uh you put like your neck into like a one of those molds or whatever it looked like you wore a tux so yep yeah yeah, just shoulder up that was a long that was a long time ago though wasn't it we actually we actually had to take our sport coats off and hang them over our shoulders and show off the the mullet mullet, you know the mullet in the back you know (laughs) It's, it's over, so it's interesting just over the years and uh today the jocks the nerds the weirdies the populars every click under the sun we're gonna be all in the same group today because the group is the 2020 mlb season and we are using some of these lovely high school superlatives from your yearbook to determine the mlb players from last season and how they fit into those categories so we're ready to bring you back to school and start off with our first one here so our first high school superlative 
for the MLB 2020 season, the most likely to succeed, and this is the person forgotten during drafts, but succeeds now, uh, basically the draft's best bargain, if you want to mm. call it that. So, Mike, I'll start with you. Who fits it for this category? Well, you know, I would love to throw a shout out to my boy, Jose Abreu, who is ADP of 85s, but he's not really a bargain because everybody knew he was going to be pretty good. But I would go with Corbin Burns here from Milwaukee. Um, he was a stud this year. He's 4-1, 211 ERA, 102 whip, 88 strikeouts and 59 innings. Yes, please. Uh, give me that. Give me that uh, any day of the week that you want to. And the thing that was funny about it was that there was really no way to know that he was going to explode the way that he did this year. He didn't really have a defined role when the year started. Um, and I know that we always talk about, you know, drafting skills and not necessarily the role. Right. I mean, that goes back a long way. That's not new news. But he really eliminated his four seamer and, and changed up his pitch mix. And it really, really helped him out quite a bit. Um, I think he was fantastic. Um I drafted him. I, I was in about eight leagues this year, which is a lot for me. Um, you know, I, and I had him in about four leagues in the last three or four picks of, of the draft and made me look really smart. <laughs> oh, man, I, that's awesome. And the fact that so I think I feel like a lot of people earlier in the season when he was kind of being a little inconsistent might have dropped him because they were frustrated, you know, got moved to the bullpen and uh you know, just I, I remember just in, in one of our leagues that that happened. And he was kind of tossed around a little bit. So props to you for not only drafting him, but holding on to him throughout all that. Yeah, um, I, I, I drafted the strikeouts, you know. I mean, I, I saw that kind of potential there. And I'm like, this is a year where you're going to have to have some guys that are going to fill stats. And I I honestly thought, well, I'll just I'm just going to punt on whip. You know, I, I I'm just going to go for it. You know, it's a in a 60 game sprint. You can't really think too hard about what you're doing. You just got to do it, you know, for sure. Um, Doc, the, uh, I'm going to call, I'm going to say Mr. Doc, and then I'm going to say the regular Doc. <laughs> I mean, you just say my name, Eric. Nah, you're, you're still just the regular Doc. Go ahead. What's yours? Canadian high school. Um, mine is Luke Voigt. And I think if you were to say all the Yankees that were drafted before him, Gary Sanchez, DJ LeMayu, Judge and Stanton, Glaber Torres, probably Gio Urshela. And Luke Voigt ended up leading the major leagues and home runs with 22. Second was Jose Abreu with 19, and three in a 60 game diff- in a 60 game season is a lot. Also finished with 52 RBIs, batting 277, and he was very hot in the playoffs. Depending on when your your playoffs actually started, he had five home runs in a week, which that'll help that'll help win you the week. So oh, yeah. And it's funny because I bet before the season on Bryce Harper leading the league in homers, Luke Voigt wasn't even an option. He was included in the field. So that's somebody that really came out of nowhere. And for the second half of the season, just ridiculously hot. There's one thing we can count on. It's Eric losing baseball bets. So all's right in the world. <laughs> hey, Miguel Sano finished with 13. He was one under. So <laughs> uh, Cheesecake, who's yours uh, most likely to succeed? Well, I have one point of contention I want to make first off. You said last season already, speaking about 2020. I think that our podcast should officially – I think we should officially stand for – you don't say last season until the calendar year changes over. It's too confusing. This season is 2020. Last season is 2019 still. All right. So um, I I, I looked at this, and I thought this was just like a challenge bet. Best draft bargain – I, I'm telling you, I went down the fantasy pros AD, uh, ADP list, and you won't believe you, there were uh, top 
seven top 30 pitchers drafted after 300 at wow. ADP. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think the top pitching ADP uh, draft bargain is Zach Davies. He ended up the mm-hmm. number 16 starting pitcher, and he was 438 ADP. Wow. Which is incredible. I mean, wow. like you said, these guys, like Zach Davies, 438, he was an afterthought. Everyone had 20 sh- chances at him or 30 chances at him before he went. But he ended up number 16. And number 557 overall, Dominic Smith, 316, 10 homers, 42 RBIs. Number 557 overall draft pick. This is a guy who had the pedigree. You were just taking a flyer on him if you drafted him at 557. And he returned an amazing season. I think he is uh, the uh, most likely to succeed overall for me, Dominic Smith. I made a little mental note. Look at who's at ADP 438 and 557 next season and take with my last two picks. Hmm, that's so random. Why would you uh, go? I'll draft with you then. Get fine. <laughs> go ahead. You already do. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move to our second one here. And this is the catfish, the biggest draft bust that you thought was somebody else and you got somebody different. So, uh, Doc, who are you picking as your catfish? Uh, Austin Meadows absolutely sucked my will to live this year. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, I, I, I had him as a keeper in a league. He had 30, what, 33 home runs last year, um, 89 RBIs and 12 steals. I mean, you put that in the bank, you think you got a you know, borderline first round pick there, right? Uh, this year he hits 205, four home runs, 13 RBIs, and 50 strikeouts at 132 at bats. I mean, he just absolutely sunk my season um, in a couple of places. I know he was banged up and hurt, um, but he I had COVID. say that again. I said he had COVID. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, so uh, anybody who did obviously it was a tough. It was a tough season, and so I don't know what to really do with him next year. I mean, I obviously split the difference. He's not going to go very high, but. Um, I'm not really sure what I'm going to, if I'll go for that one again, I'm not going to get catfished again by him. Yeah. I, I, he was one of those people. I was like, I needed to see another season, but his, his ADP was so high. So I, I was a little scared off by that. Um, but yeah, if he, if his ADP gets shot down a lot, he's going to be such a great bargain for everybody next year. Um, Eric, who is your catfish? All right. Well, since you talk about that, I'm bad at baseball bets. I'll put this out there. Walker Bueller, just absolutely killed me i mean i bet money on him winning the cy young he pitched 36.2 innings this year there was only four games where he went five innings plus topped out at six finished one and oh i had such high hopes for him this year and especially when clayton kershaw got hurt to begin the season i said okay he's gonna step into that ace role that we've all been expecting and he let me down big time and i own up to it yeah he um I think there's a lot of Dodger mismanagement played a role into that. Too. And you know what? So I like the day before the draft, I saw Ferris Bueller's day off for the first time. Oh, and way. It, you, what? And you hadn't seen it before that? I hadn't. I hadn't. And Where's the eject and, button. And his Twitter handle is Bueller's day off. And I was like, wow, just so many things are clicking. I just feel the adrenaline. <laughs> I love it. But no. Cheesecake. Um, I'm interested to see where you're going to go in if this direction for uh, the catfish. Well, I think the biggest catfish, and I think it was only a matter of time before this catfish turned into, you know, a real, real person, 
but it's Christian Yelich, person who was drafted number one overall in a lot of leagues, top three consensus, top four basically everywhere. And ended up the number 14 outfielder uh, mm. at 205 on the season. Now you look underneath the statistics, 99th percentile hard hit percentage, 90, 98th percentile in uh, in, uh, in barrel uh, rate. But uh, but the expected batting average was only 250. I think though that Yelich, with the way he was hitting the ball, is still going was going to turn it around. It was going to be like a down overall season, but over the course of six months, Yelich is going to get hot, really hot again. But uh, over 60 games, 205. You can't argue with the statistics. 205, 22 RBIs, 12 home runs. You like that? 39 runs. You like that? Obviously contributing still. But still, the 205 batting average is just a killer from a guy drafted number one overall in a lot of leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, when we um and we do a draft with all three of us in it that we that we've been doing for years, and um, I got him at eight. He slid all the way to the eighth pick, and I was ecstatic because I'm I'm a very heavy pitcher heavy guy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those people that loves going pitcher, even sometimes back to back. Um, and I was all prepared to take Jacob Degrom, no questions asked. And then Yelich fell to me, and I said, I, I can't pass on Christian Yelich at eight. That's insane. And mm-hmm. you look at the season DeGrom had, and you look at the season Yelich had, and it's like that could have made a big difference. And it's just it's just interesting that when in 60 games, someone like Yelich could have produced what he a top-five pick could have done, but in 60 games, sometimes it takes those guys a little bit longer to get hot. So um, mm-hmm. I think the important thing is when we list these guys out for everybody listening, it's like, they could; these guys could still turn their seasons around, or they could still uh, turn into that. Uh, what is it? Cinderella turn into a pumpkin type of thing. Uh, that whatever the expression, where they like turn back into that pumpkin. Turn so, back into a pumpkin, yeah, yeah. So, um, just make sure you take what happened this season. There you go, cheesecake. This season with a grain of salt, um, and we're just kind of judging what's given to us. So, with that said, let's move to our next one here, Eric. Who is that comeback kid? And then that is obviously our comeback player. So for me, it's Corey Seager. And he was Mm. hyped up a lot a few years ago. And then he had Tommy John surgery. And I think the appeal for a lot of people was shortstop's a relatively thin position after the Trey Turners and the Trevor Stories and the Francisco Lindors and maybe even the Xander Bogarts. That there's a big drop off. So if, if you could get someone in that middle-tier range, uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I thought he was a little bit overrated, but this year, 307, 15 homers, 41 RBIs, he's still relatively young. So I'm really happy that he had a good year. He seems healthy, and hopefully he can continue this next year. Yeah, those injuries really, uh, I think, affected him. He had two big injuries in back-to-back seasons, and last year he was kind of struggling. So I think you have to always take that into account when players uh, coming off injuries. Give him a, a season to kind of work out of that, and he showed that for sure. Cheesecake, who's your comeback kid? Well, I, I really like the Corey Seager pick. He was someone who I was strongly considering going with. One who I – I really, really love is Manny Machado. Manny Machado came in, I think, with a, a, on a real low. He was drafted in like the 60s, 70s, 80s uh, in a lot of drafts. He ended up with 44 runs and 47 RBIs and 16 home runs in 60 games. And this was after he started the season pretty slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so he was just tearing up the league the last – you know, two thirds of the season. 
and he had a great year. And and this is a guy he came over on that huge contract. He did not have a great first season in San Diego. His stock was way down. And now next year he brought himself back up to like a second round pick, I think. Yeah. People a lot of people kind of slept on Manny Machado and they thought when he got paid that that was it for him being productive and he wasn't going to put in that same type of effort or that if he wasn't in Orioles ballpark that he was a different player, but he's showed Mm -hmm. differently this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doctor, who are you looking at for this? I'm going to stay at Petco actually, and I'm going to go with Will Myers. Uh, Will Myers Mm -hmm. was uh, uh, a steal for a lot of people this year. Um, I had him in a couple of leagues where I had him targeted as a fifth outfielder. Uh, in leagues where I was starting four. And if I had to start five, I was okay with that. But he had pretty good numbers, 15 home runs, 40 RBIs, hit 288, which was a high watermark for him. I mean, usually you're used to getting him with the steals and the in the in the home runs, but the batting average is a drain on you. So that was really helpful this year. And he only stole two bases, but you can overlook that with the other numbers, right? I mean, uh, he didn't run as much on, on that team because he didn't need to on that team. They were much mm-hmm. better than what anybody thought they were going to be. Um, I really liked Will Myers. That being said, I probably will um, fade him next year. Um, I, I, he concerns me just because he's the walking injury risk. And uh, But for a guy yeah. where he was at, I think he was a steal this year and, and somebody that I really used as a comeback player for me. Yeah, very good pick there. And part of, big part of the Slam Diego Padres this year. He's just uh, – that whole team is very appealing, I think, for drafts next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a good pick there. Let's move to our next one here. And this is the drama king, the most stressful pitcher – that you owned this season. So, Cheesecake, who is your drama king? I just want to say you guys won't beat my answer, and I'm going to go last, so go ahead. <laughs> That's good. I was putting you last anyway. Um, I think that there's only one answer, the all-time drama king of, of baseball, and that's Herman Marquez. Oh my gosh, that's mine! Are you serious? You better better do some homework, Doc. You better get going here. Oh my gosh, you got you got about a minute and a half until you got to go. Better take those notes. (laughs) He's giving me the stretch line right now. I was like, oh no, he's got it. He's got it. This is this is uh, all right. In July, eleven point two innings pitch of a one point five four ERA, only gave up two earned runs. August, 36 innings pitched, 24 and runs, 5.94 ERA. September, probably dropped after August. September, 33.2 innings pitched with a 2.14 ERA. So Herman Marquez is the same guy he's he's always been, and he was it again this year. He was great to start. You picked him up, yay! And then a, <laughs> almost six ERA in, in, uh, in August. So you dropped him. For his 2.14 ERA in September, uh, <laughs> no one ever picks up the good Herman Marquez. I, I, I'm, I believe it actually doesn't exist. It's like a ghost or something. Herman Marquez is my number one uh, drama king of all. So time. you know, crazy stat: he led the majors in innings pitched this year at 81.2. Wow, it's interesting because. What you brought up is exactly why I don't ever draft him. And I don't oh, care yeah. whatever bargain whatever bargain he is, I'm like, I am not dealing with that start when he goes two innings and gives up ten earned runs. Like I'm not dealing with that. Like it's not worth the stress of losing that week or or having my ratios destroyed for the when he gets the seven inning ten K start. It's just like he's one of those it's like I'll, I'll let's he'll, he'll let him just self destruct on somebody else. That's a good pick, Art. Um Doctor. Who's your comeback or uh, 
stressful pitcher to own. So, you know, I'm, I'm a principal of a therapeutic day school, so I'm pretty used to dealing with stress. And (laughs) so it doesn't, it doesn't usually face me too much, but I'll tell you a quick, really funny story in 30 seconds. Last year I was in a keeper league and I ended up getting Chris Paddock at the end of the year for like $10. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to keep him for next year because we'll see what he does. Right. I'm like, and I had Giolito too. And I'm like, Paddock's probably better than Giolito. So I kept both of them and Paddock just absolutely just destroys my insides. I mean, I, every time he pitches, I feel like I have to have some Tums nearby. He was, (laughs) he's four, four and five this year, four, seven, three ERA, one twenty two whip. 58 strikeouts and 59 innings, so that doesn't look too bad on the surface. But taking a deeper dive, this is a two pitch guy, and he and he's not made the strides with those either of those two pitches that I was hoping to see. And he has no real prospect for a third pitch. I mean, I know some people are saying, "Oh, well, he'll get a cutter or whatever," but you know, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, this is a guy who's pretty set in his ways. He's known what he is, and. San Diego now may be able to bump him back if they, you know, they've got Clevenger coming back and Lamette next year, and maybe Paddock won't feel as much pressure. But he's got to find some, another gear or find another pitch because he's really tough to own. I think um, it was between him and Jesus Lazardo for me. I, I just both of them, I, I, and and shame on me for trusting a rookie pitcher. I mean, they, I, I should know better than that. But um, you know, yeah, I, it, it's Paddock for me. I mean, he just gave me heartburn all year. That's a good yeah. One. That he um I had I had him in a couple leagues and he just it's funny because he tries to like have that I heard someone compare him to like um Noah Syndergaard like like has tries to has that kind of presence to him or tries to but he's like far off from that any that type of of presence he has on the mound and his fastball was awful I don't have it in front of me but I believe he was had one of the worst fastballs in baseball this year. And he only had really one pitch that was working anything well, and that was his changeup. And he didn't even develop that third pitch, what I think was going to be the curveball. And so you pretty much are working with one pitch that's above average right now and two mm-hmm. below average pitches, and that's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And uh, you can't get away with just – I think he's – I don't know. I don't want to accuse him of not being a hard worker, but he had one thing to work on this offseason just to make sure that you keep up with what you're doing with your two pitches and then just try to add that third one in there. And then you watch mm-hmm. what happens. And it just seems like I don't know if he just kind of thought he was going to ride off his talent or whatever it was. But you, I feel like you can kind of tell the pitchers that are putting in the work. And I'm a little skeptical just to, from what he did this season. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he'll be doing next year. And the word on the street with him is that he's really stubborn. And that mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he, of course, if you're going to be an ace pitcher in the major leagues, guess what? You're probably going to be a stubborn ass, right? So yeah. at the same mm-hmm. time, he needs to ma- have that st- that maturation and growth that shows that he's ready to take that next step. Otherwise, he might just be a, a run-of-the-mill kind of guy, you know? And then, um, yeah, and Mackenzie. Like mule paddock. Yeah, and then Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino take your spot. Right. That's fine. Well, Doc, I stalled to give you some time to find your candidate. So you know, I I yeah. found one. I found I, one. We, we already talked about him, John Lester. So uh-oh. I'm going to tell you. Began the year at Cincinnati, five innings, zero earned. Then yeah. first hit, six innings, one earned. Then at Cleveland, six innings, one earned. You're like, okay, I can trust him. Then versus Milwaukee, six inning, five earned. Okay, well, that's a tough team. Then let's face the White Sox, 3.2 innings, 8 earned. Then you're like, okay, I can't trust him anymore. He, he got destroyed in that game. Detroit, 5 innings, 1 earned. You're going to say, okay, he's facing the Pirates next time. 5 innings, 5 earned. Can't trust him at all. Then you're like, yeah. okay, well, maybe he alternates good and bad starts. 
Cardinals, 3.1 innings, five earned. You say, okay, I'm done with him. Next start at Milwaukee, six innings, zero earned. I'll give a good wow. narrative of that. Wow. That's a good that's, breakdown. That's Lester. Yeah. Yeah. That is, whole he, he's due for one outing a year where he gives up like eight earned in two innings, and it's just completely out of nowhere after a good stretch of games. So, you know, it's not as good as the Herman Marquez, but I'm, I'm impressed that I was able to find that very quickly. It's a, you, go, ahead. Yep. go pat yourself on the back. Eric. Go ahead. There you go. All right, now our next category here, and this is the most attractive pitcher to own. And when I say that, I'm not saying we're judging their physical features. Yeah, you are. Hey, look, whatever you, whatever floats your boat is fine. I can't say that I'm into that, but I am looking at what pitcher is catching your eye next season. What is attracting you next season? You know, so pitcher. I thought it was player in general. That's what I, did I say. Pitcher. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Player. Uh, thanks. Sweet. Thanks for fixing that for me. Even you are right every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I would have been right to take uh, DeGrom over Yelich. Oh, uh, oh, that's good that's enough of you. That's, a, that's enough from you. That's a Corbin right. Burns right there, David. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doctor, who is the pitcher that's attracting you next season? So I'm going to go in my own backyard here because I'm – I'm giddy about G- Lucas Giolito. I mean, I, I have him, you know, I, I, it's way too early to talk about, well, maybe it's not maybe too early to talk about next year, but I, I really think based on what we saw this year and the steps that he took this year to solidify what he did last year, that this is a guy that's a top seven, top eight pitcher next year. And I think he's proven it. Um, the pedigree was there. He was a high draft pick. Um, he totally revamped his mechanics, had nothing to do with Don Cooper, that slob pitching coach for the White Sox. And he went back to his high school and he redid, he relearned how to do his mechanics. He, 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 he worked with his hips. He worked with his legs. He got better drive. The stuff is real. And the thing that I saw this year with him, guys, and I know I'm a homer. I know that it's, it, it, that's the thing, but in games where he had that Verlander kick to him at the end of the season where it was like, Literally, F you, don't come out here, don't talk to me. I, the game against the Pirates with the no-hitter, I never, ever say this when I'm watching the games like that. I don't say anything about it. I'm an old catcher. You don't say anything about it, right? I turned to my son. I said, he's going to get it. He's got it. It was the sixth inning. He was fire, the fire in his eyes and his belly. He was hitting 97 on the gun in the last inning after he had thrown 100 pitches. I mean, that's Verlander. That's the kind of thing that you want to see from your ace. And Giolito, I think, took those steps this year. I'm excited to have him for next year. I have him in a, a couple leagues where I can keep him at a pretty low price. Uh, I think he's ready to take that step and be – he's not DeGrom. I know that. He's not, you know, maybe Scherzer. But I would probably take him before Scherzer right now because I'm worried about the injury. Oh, so, so agree with that. Oh, God, um, I thought you were going to say, oh, my God, you're an idiot. <laughs> no, no. I, in my bold predictions, I had Scherzer finishing outside not my top 20 starting pitchers. I'm very low on him, and I'm a Nats fan. So um, th- so um, before I, I go to uh, Eric for the his pick, when on the last out of the no-hitter, were you scared with how the ball came off that bat? Because when I saw that ball, I was like, that's a hit. But they were well, playing the- so far in. The funny thing is, is the first thing I thought of when the ball was hit, it was like, oh, shit, I hope no more Mazar is not playing right field right now. <laughs> I, had, I had forgotten who was playing right field, and it was Engel, and he and he, he's known for his defensive prowess, right? And so that ball had a weird angle to it, too. And after the game, they interviewed Engel, and he said, hey, you didn't see it right away. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, that ball was a rocket, too. 
Yeah. It's something uh, about White Sox outfielders making good catches, like Alejandro De Aza to save Burley's perfect game back in the day. That was that was Dwayne Wise, actually. Yeah, Dwayne yeah. Wise, Dwayne Wise. Yeah, and you yeah. know why I know that is because they have it up on the wall in center field that where he made the catch. They have a hologram of it, and it says the catch where he made that play. We have very little to celebrate in White Sox history, guys. <laughs> oh man, plenty of stuff to come though. That team is young and exciting. I hope um, so. Eric, who is your uh, most attractive player? Maybe uh, someone you're eyeing next season or someone you didn't get enough of that you want to get more of? Yeah, and this is going to seem like such an obvious answer once you hear it, but for me, it's Nolan Arenado. I mean, I have seen a lot of people and experts have their their 2021 uh, rankings, and he's outside the top 15. and he's He's in the 20 to 30 range, which I think is crazy. The last five years before this one, this is his minimum. 37 homers, 110 RBIs, batting 287. That's his minimum. He's 29 years old right now. We know that because of our game last week. He plays in Coors Field. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder because he had an injury-riddled year this year. And he's about as consistent as they come. Hasn't really spent time on the IL before this year, so... I think his value is going to be so, so great last year. I would take him at the end of the first round, early second, and it seems like that's going to be you know, drafting him higher than where he's ranked. I think – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I just piggyback off of that. I was in drafts this year where people were taking Matt Chapman ahead of Arenado, and I was like, I think that that's insane. I mean, I, he, yeah. he is, I, I definitely agree with you. He's a back of the first end round, second round talent for sure. I mean, people always want to get the sexy pick, right? Oh, I'm going to outthink everybody and I'm going to get Matt Chapman. Well, you got Arenado sitting right there. Take him. You know, you need the stats. You got to fill the, you got to fill those up, you know? Him and Charlotte yeah. Blackman are about as consistent as they come. And I think a lot of people, to them, it's boring because they want to hit on that Tatis Jr. where, oh, I took him early and I called it. But Right. Uh, and they and they don't steal bases. So there's a lot of people who mark them down because of the fact that they don't steal bases. But, you know, Blackman hits 320 every year with double-digit home runs. I mean, what else do you need, you know? Right. Cheesecake, who's yours? Well, I, I – my initial thought was was really simple. I was like Juan Soto. I I think he might be he might be number one overall pick next year, Juan Soto. Um, but I I went a level deeper than that actually because uh, Juan Soto I think is probably the easiest one, and I think Trevor Bauer had a nice rebound. Well, I mean had an, a great rebound year this year, and I'm wondering a lot of people are going to look at his up and down and up again trajectory and think, well, he's a tinkerer. He might be due. This guy who might fall in drafts, you might be able to get him in the top of the third round into the second round. And as you put together, as you saw this year, this, the guy was an ace. He's a fantasy ace and he might go as the 10th, you know, seventh to 10th, maybe 12 starting pitcher. I mean, I, I think, uh, people are ranking him. They're not putting him with the elite guys. And I think he's he's right behind – he's in that group right behind Bieber, I think, four through maybe 12 or so. Now, wouldn't and, he look good as a as – a, he's a free agent this year who only signs one-year contracts? He'd look real good in a White Sox uniform, guys. Oh, no. Please, no. <laughs> he, he ain't going back to the Reds, that's for sure. I don't think so either. 
He Why threw him he, under the bus. And what, his, what did he say? Defended. He basically said something like, uh, I threw 7.2 shutout innings and struck out 12. I did my job. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Wow. I didn't. I did not see that. I mean, dude, Trevor Bauer is so humble and barely talks at all. I can't believe that that surprised you. <laughs> I mean, I, it doesn't surprise me he said something. I just didn't know that he said something right now. Uh, oh, he said it right after the game. Interesting. <laughs> he didn't hold back, and he went to Twitter. <laughs> I'm thinking like of the Garrett Cole thing from last year in the World Series, where he didn't wear the Astros hat after Ray the game. Morris, Scott Boris hat. Yeah, at least just made me think of something like that. Um, let's move to our next one here. And this is most likely to be internet famous. The player who you saw the most gifts of on Twitter. So cheesecake, who is this player for you? I mean, I'm going right back to Trevor Bauer. I think Trevor Bauer had the best, uh, had the best Twitter, Twitter game of this season. It started be- during the, uh, during the COVID break, Trevor Bauer was putting out live, live, uh, live pitching dem- videos on his Twitter and, he was going up against major league hitting and it was great. You know, it was like, Oh, Trevor Bauer. We're actually getting to see Trevor Bauer pitch right now for a baseball starved country. And, and then he had Twitter feuds. He gives his, his unvarnished opinion. A lot of times I think he's pretty sharp on his opinions, but what I, I love the, the Tomahawk as he's coming off the field in Atlanta <laughs> Uh, I love the Connor McGregor strut that he did coming off the mound. Yeah, if he ends up in Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. better for them. But uh, you know, the North Side, we have John Lester coming off the books. Maybe we just give John Lester's money to him. I hope so. I'll cross my fingers. We already got a lot of useless lefties on the South Side, so <laughs> I I remember uh, I remember Jerry Reinsdorf being cheap as a Bulls owner. So he's not been as cheap as a White Sox owner, but uh, but may- maybe he won't maybe he won't find the cheddar for Trevor and 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 Ricketts will get some uh, Chicago pride and and try to outdo his his South Side guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna love if he signs with one of the Chicago teams. Just, the other one can just like mock the other and be like, "Oh, he's with the better Chicago team. What are you gonna do now?" Or something like that. <laughs> and he blows up, and they write back, "Ha ha, you're stuck with him for six years." <laughs> <laughs> no, one year. He signs one-year deals. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, Doctor, who is your GIF internet famous player? So um, it's a tie for me. I, You know, Eloy Jimenez has got a, a pretty strong game out on Twitter, and he's real funny. Um, he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, they call him the big baby, you know, flipping the sunglasses and stuff. But I really think it's uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. And and I'll tell you, just on a, on a personal note, oh, no. Doc, I'm sorry. Listen, I a round of drinks on me, guys. All right, next time. <laughs> no, I love Seriously. it. I mean, I, I look real quickly for a new one. Well, <laughs> well, I'll talk for I'll talk for about 45 seconds to give you some time. Okay, there we go. So, no, so w- w- the one thing I love about both of those guys, in all seriousness, is this: baseball needs to do a better job marketing um, to 100%. minority uh, kids and kids in the inner city. And I was raised as an inner city kid, but I've been, I was lucky to be born white and a guy. And so I live out in the suburbs. Now there are so many kids who need to be exposed to baseball because it's the greatest game on the planet. And guys like Tatis and Eloy, the way that they love the game, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson. I mean, my socks guys, and but a bunch of other guys, they need to push those guys forward. Bat flips are cool. 
right? Enjoying yourself playing a kid's game is cool. Don't be like these old stodgy people that are my age. You're saying, oh, bad flip, put one in his ear hole. No, that's not the right way. And so I love what those guys are doing. I love that they're on Twitter. I love that they're on social media. And I show that stuff to my son, my 10-year-old son. I want him to be in love with the game. I want him to be in love with those guys, you know, and um, getting exposed to that is crucial. And I love that they're doing that. So I'll get off my soapbox, but I think that that's pretty cool. No, well said. And I think you're 100% right. It's, you know, you want things to be exciting. You have basketball, you have like slam dunks, three pointers. I mean, Steph Curry changed like that whole game. And now all the kids want to do that and and they want to watch that stuff. In football, you have the touchdowns, the now it's such a passing league. Everybody throws and puts up points. Defense is boring. And in baseball, you need bat flips. You need nasty pitches like that get like emphasized and, and, uh, I, I think you're right. Like they need, you need personalities. Like it, I think it's funny when everybody always says how many people could recognize Mike Trout on the street if you saw him. And it's funny cause he's the best player in baseball, arguably. And most people probably couldn't recognize him. And so that's where it's like, Hey, we got to start bringing these personalities, these faces, like they need to be seen more. So Mike echo everything you said. Um, I, I think that hopefully baseball keeps moving in that direction. Um, Eric, did you find yours? No, I didn't. And, you know, Tatis. I'll take yours. I'll take it for you if you want. No, I I just want to add on. Tatis is such, you know, when he made that that running catch to the outfield and it kind of extended, that was, and his silhouette, it was kind of like a reverse Jordan symbol. And Jeff Passan had an article earlier this year about how he needed to mark, about how baseball needs to market him. And that was right before he was going on that tear. And then think about how much talk his 3-0 home run caused. Like, for the first two-thirds of the season, he was the main story about baseball. And we've seen it sometimes with people like Yasiel Puig, where they have their 15 minutes of fame. But with Tatis, it felt different, that he's young, that he can do a lot of things well, that he has fun playing the game. And he's on a team that everybody's rooting for. Even Dodger fans are saying, man, I can't help but root for the Padres. They have a great team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I first – I didn't – obviously, I didn't answer any of these myself, but the one that stuck out to me was uh, Dustin May for this question because his oh, his, uh, his his fastball was all over Twitter every time he started. And everybody's like, don't buy into the gifts. Don't buy into what you see on the internet from him. It's just like he has a, a pitch that moves, but it's not getting swings and misses, and it's not – you know, his K percentage was awful. He wasn't getting strikeouts. But he was the one I was like, yeah, he's internet famous. I don't know if I would put him in like a – the other category, but um, great answers from everybody else as well. Let's move to our second to last one here. And this is the biggest flirt. Who do you can constantly try to buy back in on throughout the season and they just don't pan out. And then they draw you back in multiple times because they're flirting with you with the, uh, their performances when you don't have them. So Eric, I'll I'll start with you for this one. Go ahead. So for me, it was Matt Chapman. And that he was my and Ellen Adair's pick to win the AL MVP because he finished sixth in voting last year. And I think when you looked at the A's preseason, they had a, or the before the season, they had a really good batting lineup. And there was nobody on that team that had COVID, which I think was very important to look at before the season started. He had stretches where he was good. I mean, he finished the year with 10 homers and 25 RBIs, but 10 of those RBIs came in a three game series. And I'd be like, okay, well, that's his ceiling. He can reach that. And then he'd strike out. And right before he went on the IL with the displaced hit, 
he went 0 for 15 with 11 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And that's like a nice parting F you. I'm going to hurt you in fantasy. Uh, I'm going to be day to day for six days and then uh, I'm out for the year. So bye. <laughs> Cheesecake. Uh, I went with Mike Moustakis for this one. I I really thought Moose, Moose was going to go to Cincinnati and produce basically like he produced for Milwaukee last year. I think you might be able to throw almost that entire Cincinnati offense in the, into this category uh, because they all underperformed this year. Moose was a guy who hurt me especially because I held on to him. Uh, his multi-position flexibility was like, well, you're not going to get rid of Moustakis because he'll pick it up and he has second and third eligibility and you're not going to replace that value. So I held on to him all season and he never really started around. He had got some injuries, uh, but he ended up only hitting 230, uh, 13 runs, eight home runs, just not the value that uh, that I was hoping for. And, and, you know, with a guy like that, he hits a home run and you're like it, – it, it's like hitting a good golf shot. And if you're going out golf and you're like, all right, I'm going to keep going with it. I'm going to keep going. Cause this is the first home run of his streak. And, and like, it just never added up to anything. And Moose broke my heart. He was, he was, I, well, I wrote, he kept me coming back, but gave me no play. That's, that's what he was. <laughs> biggest part. Love that. Sounds like a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like my last year of college. <laughs> <laughs> All right, doctor, round this one out. Who do you got? I love the Moustakas pick, and he was on my list too, but I, I looked at this one a little differently, and I hope that's okay. Uh, yeah. The guy the guy that I always kind of come back to is Byron Buxton. Oh, and I always, I, I, He had a pretty good year this year, and I, I can't take that away, and I'm not going to throw stones at him, but he's the same guy like you're talking about. You know, He has a weekend where he hits three home runs. You pick him up, you're like, oh, my God, I've got Buxton's on the wire. I got him. And then nothing for 10 days. And then he hurts his ankle or he runs into the wall and he's got Don't forget the migraines, right? He's got these nickel and dime injuries, right? Where, you know, you can't use them. And so you're like, well, I just picked this guy up and I got him at the end of the hot streak. And now I can't do anything with him. And then, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I'm like, well, I'm going to trade him. You know, like I got all these, this wild idea in my head. I'm like, I'm just going to trade him. Somebody will want him. And I couldn't get a bag of balls for him, you know, like, <laughs> Everybody felt the same way about it that I did. I was like, well, shit, I guess I got to hold, I got to either hold on to him and hope for better or cut him. Um, but, you know, the talent is there and it's palpable. If he could just stay healthy um, and run a little bit more, you know, I mean, this is a guy that could really burst onto the scene. Agreed. I, and that I think actually fits the category pretty well. I think that that's a really great answer. Let's move to the last one here. And I'm, this one, I'm very interested to hear your guys' answers. And this one is the most likely to win the lottery. So, Based off the numbers from this season, just kind of viewing how guys performed, who's your lottery ticket? All right, next so I'll take mine, and I know I'm going last. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you second this time, Eric, but I'm going to have the doctor go first. This was a tough one, and I think for me, the guy that I'm really buying in on that I think is going to be a lottery ticket is Joe Adele. I think um, he had a he had a really tough time. Um, he he really struggled. Obviously, he had three home runs, seven RBIs, hit 161. But are you going to tell me that they're not going to give him an opportunity next year? Come on. I mean, Brian Goodwin, I mean, he's a nice player, but he's not 
the kind of talent that this guy is. And I think if they just plug him in and Madden knows how to handle these younger guys, I think he's going to be under the radar. I think people are going to be like, oh, my God, he sucked. He was 21 years old. You know, I mean, they brought him up. They got him some experience. Uh, I really think he's a diamond in the rough. I did, I am not sour on him at all after what I saw. I mean, I, I owned him for a little while. <laughs> Um, and, and, and regretted that in a way, but I definitely will be in on him again next year. I like that one, Eric, who's your pick? You didn't get it taken. And, uh, and that's a good point because I think a lot of times people don't have the patience because they see the one Soto's that are 19 and come up and they're like, Odell's two years older. He was more touted coming out. Like, why isn't he doing that yet? And, and so I think that's a good point. Uh, for me, it's Anthony Santander. And he was a late round pick this year. And I think people are going to forget about him because he got injured to end the year. But in 37 games, he had 11 homers and 32 RBIs. He plays in a very hitter-friendly ballpark in our backyard, Camden Yards. And hopefully Trey Mancini comes back. You know, hopefully he has a clean bill of health. God I think that love offense, him. Let's do it. Yeah, I think, I think the O's offense is going to be good. I think their Achilles heel has always been their pitching. But I think – He's going to be a very, very good late round pick. And I think he's going to have guaranteed playing time. I don't see Dwight Smith Jr. or Cedric Mullins taking an everyday spot from him. Good pick there. Cheesecake, finish this off for us. Well, I my first thought is uh, is next year I might wait on first baseman, just grab whoever's left of Brandon Belt, Eric Hosmer, and Mitch Moreland. Uh that's one thought I had. I just wait on first baseman. But I really like Ty France. I think he's going to mm-hmm. get a, a good opportunity. Of, he's going to play every day in Seattle. And he really showed this year. He showed a lot, over 155 plate appearances. He hit 305 with a 368 OBP and 468 slugging. His line drive percentage went up this season. And his weak contact percentage is, is low. So this is a guy who I think has the ability to be a, a multi-position eligible guy late in the draft who's going to be have, have a pretty solid batting average. Uh, he's a guy who I'm really going to be taking in a lot of lottery, lottery tickets on next year, I think. It's a great choice. I mean, those Swiss Army knives in drafts are so important to have. Yeah, agreed. And I'm loving what Seattle's doing and they're building there. Jared Kalenic and all of those guys over there. That dude's going to hit a ton. Oh, my God. Yeah. Noted for our draft next year, Art is looking at ADP's 438, 557, and Ty France. I'm going to snipe. <laughs> That's where you're taking it from this show. Okay. That's oh, awesome. I'm taking notes on who he wants. <laughs> Love it. All right. Great stuff, gentlemen. We're going to move now to our question of the week. And support for Triple Play, the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Guys, story time. I used the hand razors in the shower, and they cut my beautiful balls. Left me some ugly-looking scars, but that's no more because Manscaped has changed the game with the Lawnmower 3.0, the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. This trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe skin technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I hear skin-safe, my balls are already smiling. <laughs> Premium battery can last up to 90 minutes, and it's waterproof. That's right. You can listen to the doctor's voice in the shower when you trim your balls. The <laughs> 
<laughs> the lawnmower has a 7,000 RPM motor with quad stroke technology and features an LED light, which illuminates grooming so you can look like Shane Bieber on the mound, except if you play the Yankees with your accuracy. Let's not forget, you need to show this thing off loudly and proudly. And when you want someone to come in the bathroom and see you groom yourself, you can have the docking station powered by USB right on your counter. It's perfect. And if you're listening to me right now, we both know we need that you need to trim that junk of yours. So I'm going to help you out. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. Yeah, I didn't stutter. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. If you use the code TRIPLEPLAY, your balls will thank you. All right. Thank you for my balls. <laughs> uh, with that being said, let's now our actual question is, which MLB player – could you see being a high school teacher? And since you're a principal and I'm a high school teacher, I was like, I felt like this was a good question with two people that work in schools on this show. And uh, so Mike, you're the guest. I'm going to start with you. Who is your high school teacher MLB player? It's the easiest question of the night. Dave, it's the easiest question for me. It's Kyle Hendricks. No doubt. Perfect. So Kyle Hendricks, they call him a professor here in Chicago. Uh, he's brilliant when he talks about his pitching. I could just see him teaching science and economics at the end of my hallway here. Um, <laughs> Kyle, if, Kyle, if you're listening, uh, I offer you a job, make about $60,000 a year. Uh, <laughs> let me know when you're ready, buddy. You can. I'll let you coach the baseball team too. That's awesome. I, I totally forgot that was his nickname too. That is, that is, I don't know how if Doc and, and Cheesecake can top that one. Doc, who is your uh, answer? So for me, it's Kirby Yates. And I just, I was going through players' pictures and I was like, who looks like the most average, normal looking guy that I wouldn't be able to tell as a major league baseball player? I'm going, I'm on his Twitter right now and his handle is Kawhi Kirby 39. Love my wife, friends, and Ohana, which means family. Hashtag always aloha. So he just seems like a very chill, zen teacher that everybody loves having for homeroom. I wouldn't be able to, to tell him in per or I wouldn't be actually he's a ginger, so I could identify him on the streets, but probably most people couldn't. That's an interesting answer for that one. Cheesecake, who's yours? Well, I my my choice is Joe Adele. I think he he's so so intelligent and he comes from a family with a background in teaching. I could see him being a high school teacher in a variety of subjects. I think, you know, he he looks like he looks like a teacher, honestly. I, I I, I love, um, you know, to talk about his baseball intelligence. I think he's a guy who could transfer that sort of intelligence to a classroom. Why do you give a, way to give a serious answer? It's a good answer there. <laughs> yeah, I, my is. answer, my answer is Stephen Piscotti, and ah. the answer is, is literally just because he has a degree in at, um, atmosphere and energy engineering from Stanford. So <laughs> there you go. go. Go ahead. You could like. You have a you have a uh, atmosphere and engineering degree from Stanford. You could teach wherever wherever he wants, honestly, probably. So, uh, I, I saw that I was like, oh my god! Like he definitely does not let on that he's like that smart. Like I mean, he's, he seems like a normal guy, but I'm like, man, like what's what's under his hood is is interesting. Um, great answers all around, though. And with that being said, let's move to our last segment, and that's our game of the week. Our game this week is Name That Stadium. All right? So I hope you guys know your baseball stadiums. And I figured 
they, I did this game for our football show, and it's a little harder to know the NFL arenas, but I think baseball arenas are really highly publicized. Everybody knows, like, PNC Park, and, and, and they all know that type of stuff, right? So I'm going to reverse it, and I'm going to give you the team, a.k.a. let's say, for example, I give you the Boston Red Sox. Then you have to say Fenway Park instead of me saying Fenway Park, and then you say that's Boston Red Sox. I think it makes it a little bit harder. Okay. Can that be my first one? No, no, no. Okay. So I tried to pick some of the harder ones. Again, there's a lot of them are pretty well known. I have 10 of them listed. And what we'll do is we'll start with Mike. And then we're going to go around. Obviously, everybody gets a chance to, to guess that same one. And then the next question, I'll start with Eric. Everybody will go around, Art, and so on. I have 10 of them listed. Whoever has the best score after 10 wins. If there's a tie, we will go into sudden death. All right? Sounds okay. Good. All right. First one, Mike, we start with you here. Where does Toronto play? I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, they play in Buffalo. I mean, like, what's the <laughs> – can you name their stadium? Yeah, it's the Rogers Center. Yeah, it's Rogers Center. Or it used to be anyway. I don't I, – is it still a Rogers Center? I think it is. Well, it's, it's, it's C-E-N-T-R-E, though. Ah. Cheesecake, are you siding with them? You know, I think they changed it, but I but I don't remember what they changed it to. So I'm going to say Rogers Center as well. I, as far as I had, it was the Rogers Center. Okay, all right. Okay, so everybody's Man, on the board. Been, it would have sucked to blow the first one. <laughs> uh, maybe this, maybe you guys will still get this, even if I just asked for the team. All right, number two, Eric, the Texas Rangers. Oh, it's not Ranger Park in in Arlington. It's not like something like that, right? No, I, I'm not. It's not like something in something. It is not. No. Okay. Um, Sun Life Stadium, but I think that's wrong. Close. Cheesecake. Oh God. <sighs> I'm the ballpark at Arlington. I don't know what it's called. I, I can't. I can't think of it. Mike. I just read an article about it in my uh, Sports Weekly a couple of weeks ago. It's Globe Life, I believe. Globe Life. That is correct. Horrific name, but it is what it is, right? The doctor, two for two. The guests always bring the heat, man. You guys got to step it up up there. It's because I have 47 years of useless knowledge swimming around my (laughs) Let's see if you... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there right now. We've never had a guest ever get perfect on any of our games, and we had our football. You ruined the post. perfect game already. Yeah, oh, I, 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 he doesn't believe in the perfect game. That he he called Lucas Giolito's thing, so I'm putting it out there. You're a jinx. I'm Lucas Giolitoing him right now. <laughs> All right, number three, cheesecake. We're starting with you, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, oh, the Arizona Diamondbacks play in Humidor Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Very true. Very true. Mike, where are you going? It's uh, Chase. Ah. Yeah. It's Chase Field. Oh, that is correct. Chase Field. <laughs> So I Mike, knew I shouldn't be I drunk when I'm doing this show. I knew two of the three of these, 
And the one I didn't get, of course, that I go after Mike. <laughs> oh, after three, Mike is three, Eric has two, Art has one. Art, I don't, in my memory, I don't think it's ever come in last place. So I'm putting that out there too. <laughs> all right. Number four. And I, uh, all right, number four, the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> and, oh, jeez. And uh, Mike, you're going last for this one. I'm switching this one up. <laughs> Uh, US. I, can the, I can see the logo right now on the pitcher's mound. That's US, U.S. Cellular Field. Art. Um, U.S. Cellular Field. And Mike. It's actually the G-rate, guaranteed rate field. That is correct. The it's, guaranteed it, rate field. It's a joke. You know it's terrible. I, I couldn't have Mike lead off for that one. because You, you know guys- what, David? This is this is called skewing the game because it was Mike's turn. It's true, no, but I, that, <laughs> yeah, you I, skewed you, it. You it. You're skewing you the it. game. You skewed it, <laughs> and 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 I'll tell you, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to deal with how the host fixes things up sometimes. Oh, that's hilarious, David. You are a cheater. You're yeah. in Houston Astros. I think I think you're just I think you're just hateful right now because you're doing horrible. All right, <laughs> number five. Number five. The Seattle Mariners, and Eric, we're starting with you. Oh, again, huh? No, no, actually, you know, okay, we'll start with Art for this one. Uh, the Seattle Mariners. Safeco. Mike. Yeah, I think it's Safeco. It's Safeco. And the answer is T-Mobile Park. The perfect game oh, is over. Oh, no. Shoot. What? That's right. They did change it. When? Oh, man. I think before last year. Oh, I blew God. that one. Oh man! I, I mean, I, I put it into existence. I, I could have. That might have been my jinx, but I, I felt confident. Might have been. Oh my God! You are <laughs> blowing this game, David. <laughs> All right. Next one, Mike. We'll start with you. The Philadelphia Phillies. Ooh. Oh. They are no. That's not. I was going to say something wrong because uh, I've actually been to. This other one in Pennsylvania. What are they? Oh, it's um, oh, uh, the bank, Citizens Bank. Yeah, Citizens, Citizens Bank. bank. Citizens I was thinking bank. P. I was thinking PNC where I got this hat, but that was the wrong <laughs> wrong place. Citizens Bank, I think it is. Yeah. That is correct right. all around. Nice yeah. job. Way to way to churn that one out, Mike. I felt that one. Um, all right, so that is that was number six. After six, Mike with five, Eric with three, Art with two. All right, number seven, Kansas City. Eric, we start with you. Kaufman. Art. Kaufman. And Mike. I concur, it is Kaufman. That is correct all around. And again, believe it or not, that is one of the toughest ten I could find. So Named nice. after what is that guy's name? George Kaufman or whatever? Ewing Ewing Kaufman. Ewing Kaufman. Number and why do I know that? Because I have useless facts in my head. <laughs> Number eight. We are starting with Cheesecake. San Diego Padres. Uh uh Pet Petco. Mike. Petco it is. It is Petco. That is correct. All around again. Moving to number nine, and the Cincinnati Reds, starting with Mike. Oh, what the heck is the name of that place? I I I want to call it 
progressive, but again, I think that's Cleveland. What is Cincinnati? Are they? Oh, uh, Great American Ballpark. That's what it is. Eric, it is Great American Ballpark Jesus. and cheesecake. I'll take Great American Ballpark. Correct all around. That I turned into Cincinnati. a pumpkin at eight o'clock Central Time, guys. My God, my brain is. Like- <laughs> My brain's like rotting out of my head over here. You're churning these out though. Like you're, it takes you a second, but you're getting like but that was just... the. But that was an easy one. I should have had that one right away. All right, Barry Savin, right center. We are moving to our last one here as I update the scores, and our last one, starting with you, Eric, the Miami Marlins. It's not Marlins Field, right? Uh, I'm not, I can't tell you what it is. Oh, I think this one might be Sun Life Stadium. Are you going Sun Life? Let me think for a second. Sun Life. Cheesecake. I'm filing a protest with the Maryland Gaming Commission for the (laughs) officiating of this game. The uh, the veering of of the changing of uh, order, I think, obviously – created the, the that deficit I have now, uh, David. And you should, I mean, really tighten this up. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, David. David's bad. It sounds like just losers talking to me, so I'm ignoring <laughs> it. Uh, God, Sun Life sounds right. Sun Life. Mike, what do you got? The reason why I know this is because I, about a month ago, had a friend who was down there who sent me a picture of himself in front of the stadium, and it's called Marlins Park. You got it, sir. That is correct. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Another thing, when I asked you earlier, I said, none of these are actually named, right? You said, no, they all have a name to it. It's not like- No, I said, said, no, you, you you said directly in Arlington. I said, there's no in something. Oh, David, you are just- no, that I literally that is that that is you. I literally oh. said it's not in something. This this hasn't been this this isn't the first time there's been controversy with you being commissioner of the games. I think you need to step. Please, down. we're shutting the peanut gallery up. Let Mike enjoy his thirty second FaceTime. He deserves it. Nine out of ten. That's a solid A. Yeah, that's, Mike, that that was a round of applause. Do I, that was do a I, great hey, job. Do, do I get one of those ball shavers? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> We'll we'll send one to uh, because, your PO box because because at my age you don't care anymore. So <laughs> that you is guys awesome. are all younger than me. So you know. Oh, that's great. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for joining us tonight, man. Uh, it was a blast. I, I've been following you guys all year. I love what you guys do. It's fun. It's informative. You guys have the right handle on all this stuff. It was a, a very enjoyable experience for me. Uh, thanks for having me. I hope to do it again with you guys at some point again soon. Oh, 100%. We'll have you back for sure. And for those that are listening uh, that might not know Mike, he's truly one of the most knowledgeable and friendliest guys out there on Twitter. So if you're not following him, you got to change that right now. He's at MDRC0508 on Twitter. And we'll, when we put this episode out, he'll be tagged in it. So you can, if that's too much for you, you can just follow that link there. And check out all his great writing at rotofanatic.com and nineinningknowitall.com. Really great stuff there from him. Thanks thanks so much again, man. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, I have the worst Twitter handle of all time. I apologize for that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good, man. Everybody listening, we'll talk to you guys soon. Stay safe.